Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing that kick-ass piece of music you just for your host, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining tonight's guest. working on now. Yeah, okay. Well, my new book, Brimstone, just came out. You can get it in paper or E. Um, let me tell you about it. Um, it's a coming-of-age story that takes place in 1968 in a little town called Brimstone in Arizona. The Brimstone Grand Hotel, owned by reclusive former movie star Delilah Devine, looms high on Hospital Hill, harboring long-buried family secrets that whisper of unimaginable horrors, horrors that will echo down through generations. Within the walls of the Brimstone Grand, the past has come back to life, and Holly Tremaine and her grandmother Delilah are faced with an ancient familial evil that rages just below the old hotel's serene facade, an evil that won't rest until it possesses Holly, body, mind, and soul. Now, Alistair's new release, which is uh, available for pre-order now, it comes out in a couple weeks, is The Silver Dagger, book two in the Vampires of Crimson Cove series, and it picks up where the first book, The Crimson Corset, leaves off. Life in Crimson Cove has been good to the Coulter brothers since Gretchen Van Treese was staked and her horde of vampires scattered. But when she rises from the grave, the brothers are torn apart, their lives and the peace between them shattered. Meanwhile, a serial killer is stalking the little mountain town, leaving a trail of blood that leads to a truth Sheriff Ethan Hunter doesn't want to face. The streets are no longer safe, nor are the forested paths, for a new and unknowable evil has come to Crimson Cove, and everyone, vampire and human alike, must come together in order to survive. Take it away, Alistair. Amazon, and if you are a vampire fan, you might also want to check out its companion novel, Collaboration. Also, Fast Exorcism. Very quick. Alistair, I need to interrupt you. Um, I want to ask our guest real quick can you hear Alistair okay, or is he breaking up? Uh, Alistair is breaking up for me. I can hear you pretty pretty clearly now. Okay, Alistair, let me finish what you're talking to, about then. Okay. Um, oh, now you now you now you're clear. Try it again. Uh, well. Now you're gone. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna finish this off for you and and read the bio. Okay. Um. You're listening to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarathorn.com, or you can visit our mutual blog at thorncross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handles are at crossalister and at tamarathorn. Be sure to visit us at Facebook at facebook.com thornandcross. Uh, for more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. 
and this is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. And tonight, while the sunspots are bothering Alistair's connection, I'm going to tell you about tonight's guest. We're thrilled to have him. Mark Allen Gunnels loves to tell stories. He's, he has, since he was a kid, penning one-page tales that were Twilight Zone knockoffs. He likes to think he has gotten a little better since then. He loves reader feedback, and above all, he loves telling stories. He lives in Greer, South Carolina, with his husband, Craig A. Metcalf. And welcome, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so used to hearing that intro music before I'm about to listen to one of your interviews, so it's kind of interesting <laughs> to now be hearing it before I start being interviewed. Oh, that's great. That that introduction music is done by a brain scientist and rock and roller, and that's his voice. We uh, get a kick out of that. Um, Alistair, try to say something again. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, there you are. We hear you. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll see well, how long it lasts. <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just start talking over you if you fade out. But go All ahead, right, Alistair. Sounds good. Well, thank you for being on the show. Before we get into what you're working on, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to publication? How did it all begin? Ah, uh, long journey it is. Um, I've always loved to tell stories, as my little bio says. Um, I was probably in junior high school when I really got serious about it and started thinking, this is what I want to do. Um, Mostly then it was a lot of really bad teen angsty poetry. Um, (laughs) And then I went through like a hippie phase where it's like if there was a social ill, then I had to write a poem about it. Um, But in high school, I got really into into fiction and probably around that time is when I started submitting stuff. And wow. Back in back in the days when you, you know, had to mail it off with the self addressed stamped envelope so they didn't have to pay to reject you. And um mm-hmm. I I never got anything published back then. I went through college. I was really prolific in college. Everyone knew me in college as the writer. Um Still never got anything published except in the school literary magazine. And then after college, life and work stress got to me to a point where I I stopped writing for about five years. I sort of thought, oh, I guess that was like a childhood dream. I have to give up now. Um, But I was Mm -hmm. miserable for those five years. So when I finally got back into it, I realized, like, I have to do this or I'm never going to be happy. Um, and by then, like, the digital world had come into play, and I realized, like, there are digital magazines and e-zines, and I started submitting there. And it was um, in 2005, 2005, yeah, when I first sold my first story to a little e-zine. I got, like, $14.62, but I was so excited and um, <laughs> just started from there. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, yeah. Alistair and I both started really young too. I, I don't think I tried to to uh, get published until I wrote a novel, though, which was a while later. So good for you. Yeah, I did I all mean, my politics. Short stories, school newspaper. Yeah. Short ahead. stories have always been a passion of mine. I do write novels and novellas, um, but short stories have always been my greatest passion. So even when I finally started publishing you know, some books with a small press, 
I still uh-huh. wanted to do like collections. That was my dream. Like I've got to get some collections out there. And it was kind of hard at the beginning. No one really wants to publish a collection by someone no one's ever heard of. But um, I'm happy to say yeah. that, you know, over the years, like I've managed to actually get out several collections and I'm very proud of my novels and novellas too, but the collections hold a special place in my heart. Uh, well, I, I I don't know if we can hear Alistair or not, but he'll back me up here. Both of when we first met, we decided to try to write a short story together just to see if we could write together. It turned into a novel, and both of us think that not that short stories are very difficult to write. We'd much rather write long. Uh, why do you like short stories? And why are they easy for you? Easier, I should say, for you than a novel. And you know, I don't even know if I have a good answer for that, but I just feel like I almost have an instinctual understanding of the short story, whereas novels uh-huh. are more difficult for me. The the pacing and the structure of a novel doesn't come as naturally to me as a short story. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do like to write novels because I like that challenge of you know, working on that and trying to get better at that. But I definitely uh-huh. feel like I can just sit down and have a short story idea and just start and get lost in it and get through it, whereas I struggle a little more with the novel because there's a lot more trying to figure out, is the structure working? Is the pace working? Whereas the short story, I feel like I almost don't have to think about it. But, you know, it is a different I've uh-huh. always said novels and short stories are a different, a different form. It takes a different mindset, a different talent almost. So I feel like there are definitely writers that just are more comfortable in one or the other. Well, yeah, I, I agree, and I really like your answer. What, I'm, what you've got me thinking about, and that just flew out of my head, which is why Alistair does most of the talking normally, um, <laughs> is uh, – I'm personally intimidated by the idea of where is the story going? How can I give it a bang-up ending when it's so short and I can't let my characters take over and, and do what they want to do? That's that's how my brain works on it. But do you have to keep yeah. your characters more in line? or? Um, I'm, I'm very much an instinctual writer where I just start and then what I like, and whether it's a short story, a novella, or a novel, is to get the characters uh-huh. to a point where they're developed enough that they just tell me what what's going to happen next. Um, oh, that's I've definitely nice. Been writing, yeah, I've definitely been writing pieces before where I think I know where I'm going, but as that character develops, mm-hmm. I get there, and it's like the character says, well, that that's not something I would do. And then so I have to rethink right. the story to go with that. But in a short story, I still just sort of let those characters just develop and then go where they want to go and you know endings sometimes I I do some things I call vignettes which are just almost plotless little pieces just like a moment just like a character study something like that and not everyone likes Mm -hmm. those kinds of stories I appreciate that I as a reader I like them and as a writer I like them so not every short some short stories I have have big exciting gripping endings some of them um I'm also a big fan of the ambiguous open ending, especially in short stories. Mm-hmm. So, and again, I feel like it's the characters once the story gets going that sort of dictate to me where this story needs to end. 
I love it. I, I have never thought about a short story being able to be taken over by characters. That's We rely on that. There's always some secondary character that comes to the fore and kind of takes over. Right, Alistair? Uh-oh. I'm going to assume he's well, with you. I'm going to assume. He'd say yes, I know that, but he'd say more. <laughs> but um, <laughs> We were looking that at your – um, yes? I was going to say that is one of my favorite things is when a, a side character that maybe I wasn't paying a lot of attention to starts to grow, mm-hmm. and then I realize they're going to have a much bigger part to play in this story. Yeah. And that, that is, can especially happen with novels. I have a, a slasher novel called Sequel where a, a character I introduced just to be like comedic and sort of a thorn in another character's side started to grow and develop, mm-hmm. and then she just took on a much bigger part of the end of the story than I ever anticipated. Isn't that wonderful when that happens? It's, it's, it just comes it. to life. I do too. Mm-hmm. So does Alistair. I'll speak for him. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it, it's the best. And Alistair, are you trying to say something? Yes. Nope, yes. I'm not trying to say anything. Oh, oh there he is. At all, anything? I hear you now. <laughs> I'm not trying to say. There anything. you are. <laughs> Quick, ask all a right, question um, while the phone's working. Let me let me just tell you very quickly. I can hear you, and I've got the studio under control. So just do your thing. Okay. And at the end, um, if I could ask anything, <laughs> I would actually like to hear uh, some of the the the. You have something that you. Uh, could read for us, you said? I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do. I have an, a short story collection that's coming out later this summer called The Daylight Will Not Save You. And recently I've been experimenting with putting some poetry in those, um, in my collections. Um, and so I'm going to read one of the, the narrative poem I wrote for that upcoming collection. And the poem is called I Molded a Man from Dirt and Clay. I molded a man from dirt and clay and gave him the breath of life. He became my friend, my companion, my lover, my mate, my every fantasy made flesh. I called him Adam, and together we frolicked and laughed and made love in the garden. It was the epitome of paradise, and I could have happily spent eternity there, just the two of us. Adam, however, had other ideas. He yearned for other companions, other friends with which to share this existence. The flames of jealousy kindled inside of me at the idea that I wasn't enough for him, but I knew I could deny him nothing. I made us two new companions, different from us but the same as each other, and named them Eve and Lilith. Eve was pure sweetness and light, Lilith more mischievous with a wicked sense of humor. I felt myself drawn to Lilith's playful spirit, whereas Adam and Eve became instant fast friends. Adam and I would spend our nights together, though he was rarely in the mood to make love anymore, but his days were spent with Eve and mine with Lilith. I had thought the differences I built into the two newest arrivals would create a distance that would keep Adam close to me, but instead he seemed intrigued by those differences, a mystery he wanted to solve. One day, while I was meditating alone, Lilith came to me and said she had something to show me. We found Adam and Eve under an apple tree, making sweet but frantic love. My jealousy exploded into a sense of betrayal, and I roared loud enough to crack the world. I demanded Adam and Eve cover their nakedness and leave my sight. I banished them from the garden and barred the gate. 
They cried and pleaded, but I turned my back to their justifications. Eventually they left, disappearing into the wilderness. Lilith tried to comfort me, to distract me, but my pain was large as the universe. I did take Lilith on as a partner, not a mate, but yin to my yang, playing a chess match with good and evil. Adam and Eve had children who had children who had even more children, eventually covering the globe with their numbers. Here I saw a way to exact my vengeance, a generational comeuppance to last for all time. Even to this day, millennia later, I take great sadistic pleasure in manipulating and torturing Adam's descendants, sending disease and natural disaster down on them like a rain of boulders. Despite this, many of them still profess their love to me. I am not moved by this in the least. I have seen how empty love can be. That's it. I love wow. it. That's very Thank Old you. Testament, yet totally not. Very. That's fantastic. <laughs> I didn't know where that was going to go. No, no. That is yeah. so unique. It's, it's great, isn't it? Wow. It, what inspired that? Anything in story. particular? Ah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's not the first time I've done my own weird, cracked version of the origin story I, in an earlier collection called um, Welcome to the Graveyard. I did one called The Day God Threw Up, which was a comedic take uh-huh. on how the, the world started. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I actually started this one with only that first line. I molded a man from dirt and clay. And um, it just I just started writing and it turned into this weird broken love story. And uh-huh. I just sort of had fun with it. That was simply excellent. It, it's so different. It didn't do anything I expected. Fantastic. I'm so glad you read it. And Thank you. I've got to tell you, there. Are, my cat is going out of his mind, her mind. Um, uh, <laughs> looking over your books on Amazon, you have a really nifty uh, it, it's short stories and your novels. You have a feeling for old-time horror. I, I saw reviewers saying, you know, reminds you of the old 80s horror, which I love too, and um, and get connect, compared to as well. And the, the werewolf book, um, the novel, that mm-hmm. was really intriguing. I'm going to have to read that. I can't find my notes yeah. on it here. <laughs> I wrote that and, with my friend James Newman, who um, – lived uh, not too far from me in North Carolina. Um, uh-huh. and we had a, we had a lot of fun writing that. Um, and I, I do have a lot, I grew up in the eighties. So that those were my formative years. I was going to the little local theater and seeing all the horror movies that came out. Um, mm-hmm. So I have a love for the traditional horror tropes and the traditional horror creatures, vampires, werewolves, mummies, witches, um, zombies. So I, you you'll be able to find a little of that in my yeah in, uh, my repertoire because uh, I do love exploring those traditional ideas, but hopefully with my own unique twist to them. They sound fantastic. I, I'm going to have to start reading you pronto. And you have one uh, deviations from the norm, the novellas. That yeah. sounds really interesting. And yeah, I. I which one was the unknown Eucharist, unholy right. Eucharist. Good. Yeah, um, I, I love, love the religious the form. Uh-huh. Yeah, and oddly, I'm I 
most of my stuff has been published by small press publishers. I've a lot with Crystal Lake Publishing, some with Cemetery Dance, um, Sinister Grin, Evil Jester Press. But nice. um, Deviations from the Norm is one that I actually self-published. It's three novellas where I ah. take traditional genre pieces, um, a vampire story, a time travel story, and a deal with the devil story with hopefully my own unique twist to them. But the reason I had trouble getting that one published with an actual publisher was because of the vampire story, The Unholy Eucharist, which is my take on an origin story for the vampires. And it dates back to biblical times and um, the 12 disciples of Jesus. And Uh um, I had a few publishers tell me they they didn't even finish The Unholy Eucharist and they never read the other two. They said the religious aspects they thought could be problematic, um, and they didn't feel comfortable publishing it. And I had Was one publisher. Something... Uh-huh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask. I, I remember there was something to do with molding a bat from clay or a man. From... There was something that made me years ago think of Jesus and vampires together. I don't remember what it was, though. I had actually started writing a novel in college that dealt uh-huh. with this. It was really horrible and will never be published. But, um, and I don't remember where I originally got that idea, but I liked it. And even though that novel never worked, I, I just got to a point where I realized what the problems were that made it not work. So I didn't uh-huh. use any of that novel, but I took that idea and changed it around. But it was interesting. I had one publisher who went the opposite way. He was an atheist and said, he had issues because I treated the religious characters so reverently, and um, which I uh, thought was interesting. I'm like, well, I, yeah. I'm actually an atheist too, but it's fiction. But um, oh, sure. But yeah, yeah, I loved that novella so much, and I was so like, and I felt so bad for the other two novellas because they never even got a chance to be read by the the people who looked at the book. So I just decided. Yeah. I'm going to you know, get somebody to help me with the editing. I'm going to hire a professional cover artist, and I'm just going to put this book out myself. And it's kind of gratifying that the reviews I've gotten, not that there have been tons, but they've all cited the Unholy Eucharist as their favorite piece, and that's the piece that sort of hung me up before. But, you know, what's great about now is there's so many different ways to get your work out there. There is. Yeah, I'm I'm going to have to read this. That that appeals to me more than anything. I, I love, the, you know, have you ever read Lamb by Christopher Moore? I have not. I I'm familiar with it, but I've never oh. read it. Uh, speaking as a fellow atheist, it's it's the best religious novel I've ever read. Um, it's 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 very reverent too. Um, you would absolutely adore it. It's funny. Just Lamb, Christopher Moore. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. But I want to read your other things, too. Now, the, the book that uh, most recently came out is um, Bookhaven. Yeah, um, what, that, what that's a collection with Crystal that? Uh-huh. Um, that one has a, the title novella Bookhaven is sort of a future set mystery um set in a world where all literature is digital and then the virus wipes it all out. And there's a government agency that's trying, one, to recreate the world's literature from memory, and two, trying Uh to track down antique um, and rare print books. And there is a 
an urban legend about an underground library full of print books that they're seeking. Um, so that was kind of an ambitious story for me that I'm proud of. And then there's 20 other short stories after that one that are, it's a very eclectic mix. I'm very proud of that, that particular book. Oh, excellent. Alistair, do you want to try? Um, Hello? Do you hear me? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, we are just well, about out of time. I apologize for the uh, for the technical problems on my Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you've got another book coming out soon. Why don't you come visit us again right away? I will. It should be out um, at the end of next month. Okay. Well, we'll we'll set something up tomorrow okay. because this didn't go quite as well as it normally does. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all right. I had a good time. Oh, good. We did too. Well, at least I did. But <laughs> well, we'll just. I think we have space this year still. Well, we'll get you in. Okay. And and it's been really fun talking to you. Can you tell us where to find you online and buy your books? Um, I have. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Mark Allen Gunnels. I'm on uh, Twitter. I have an Instagram called uh, Make Reading Cool Again. And um, I have a blog, uh, .com, um that is sporadically updated, but is updated. Um, so any of those places. And oh, I'm all, all my books are on Amazon. Oh, perfect. Well, let, let's we'll be in touch. Well, we'll be in touch Monday. And uh, okay. Thank you for coming on. Can, can you, you take it away, Alice? Had a great time. Oh, good. good. Loved it. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. <laughs>